Maybe you're all too aware of the problem of sin, of the problem of your guilt. You've come to Jesus for cleansing before now, but you find it hard to be truly convinced that you're clean, that you're forgiven. The teaching of chapter 10 is here to convince you and assure you that the cleansing of Jesus Christ at the cross is complete for those who trust in him. Welcome to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. I'm Steve Hiller, and uh, today we continue to look at our series, So Great a Salvation. And Jonathan, I think you have probably struck a nerve with some who have said, yeah, I'm not sure that uh, everything I've done can be completely forgiven. I mean, how many times as a pastor have you heard something along the lines of, well, I know the Bible says that God has forgiven me, and you almost know what's coming next. But I can't forgive myself. How do you respond to that? Well, I think when believers go through seasons like that, and many will, and perhaps some listening today are, are precisely there in the situation you've just described, maybe because of some particular failure, some particular sin, and you, you, know, you wonder, is this forgivable? Uh, have, I, have, I, have I crossed a line here which now puts me beyond the realm of what God will, God will deal with or, or the sacrifice of Christ is sufficient to deal with or something like that? You know, we need to return to objective truth, to what the Scriptures teach us about the work of Christ at the cross. And the Scriptures remind us that the work of Jesus is sufficient to deal with any sin. It is complete. It is final and it does not need to be amended, updated, repeated, or improved upon. It is, it is God's finished work to deal with the sin of his people. And Hebrews chapter 10, which we're going to look at today, explores that truth and opens up that truth in a very, very wonderful way. Well, you just heard where we're going in God's Word today, so if you don't have a Bible open already, hope you'll grab one and join us there in Hebrews chapter 10 as we begin this message called a complete salvation. Here is Jonathan. Well, I think it's fair to say that the world has coronavirus on the mind just at the moment, and amidst all the concerns surrounding that, the experts seem to be telling us that the main thing we can do just now is practice good hygiene, you know, wash hands, disinfect surfaces, and, and get on with life best as we can. Yesterday as a family, we thought we might take that advice and go to the store and, and buy some hand sanitizer just to have with us mostly for the kids when we're out and about. Uh, so we went looking for some in, in various stores. It was quite an interesting experience trying to do that in Ottawa yesterday. The first pharmacy that we went into had run out. When we told the lady at the desk what we were looking for, she just kind of shook her head and, and gave us a bit of a pitying look. She told us that most pharmacies in the city would be running out. The next shop we went to, not a pharmacy this time, they had a very limited supply left. But when we found the few remaining bottles at the bottom of a, a shelf, another customer rushed over, clearly completely panicked that we were going to take all of the rest of the remaining supply, and she wouldn't get any of it. The news has been filled, hasn't it, with images of people in white suits spraying disinfectant in train stations and planes and buses in places in South Korea and elsewhere now, trying to cleanse away that virus. But of course, the reality is that no matter how carefully we sanitize our hands or spray down public places, it's hard to be confident that the virus will be gone from any surface and will be truly safe. How can we be sure? Of course, we can't be sure. 
however dangerous coronavirus may be, and it is clearly able to kill, the Scriptures would tell us that the problem of sin within the human heart is far more dangerous and far more grave. The sin that defiles the human heart, it is guaranteed to kill the human soul, guaranteed to lead to everlasting judgment if if it is not cleansed in a definitive and final way. A partial cleansing will not do. Our only hope is a complete eradication. As we return this week to the wonderful book of Hebrews, and we land here in chapter 10, the writer sets out to convince us and to assure us that Jesus has provided the comprehensive solution to the problem of sin, to the problem of defilement of the human heart. He wants us to know and believe that the work of Christ is complete and effective in cleansing the human heart of sin, complete and effective in a way that the sacrifices of the Old Covenant never were and never could be. Like most of the letters of the New Testament, Hebrews is written to speak into a particular situation. It's written to speak into a situation of some urgency. We might even say a situation of crisis. And as far as we can tell and discern, the crisis standing behind Hebrews is simply this. Jewish background believers within this particular local church are being tempted to abandon their trust in Jesus and Him alone and revert to the old ways of Judaism that they had known so well. And we can just imagine the kind of factors that would motivate and drive that friends and family from the synagogue are looking on to these converts to Christ, and they're baffled by what they've done. They're, they're concerned about the implications of this move to trusting in Jesus. If these folk abandon Judaism, if they abandon the rites and the rituals of the temple system, the sacrifices, the offerings, well, if they do that, they are putting themselves beyond the reach of the temple priests and the temple offerings to deal with their sin. These people, they talk about a sacrifice at a Roman cross and a high priest in heaven, but but that's not what we've known. It sounds risky. It sounds untested. It sounds dangerous. After all, sin, it's the great problem of the human heart. The Old Testament has taught us that very well. The defilement of sin, it's serious. And God's judgment of sin, well, it's real. How can these folk have any assurance of the forgiveness of sin, of the cleansing of their heart, of their right standing before God, if they're not with us at the temple, if they're not with us at the synagogue? And so the pressure begins to mount. Come back to Judaism. Come back to the synagogue. Come back to the temple. Come back to the place of traditional, tried and true cleansing, the place of spiritual safety. But the writer, he doesn't want these believers to be shaken in their confidence in Jesus. He doesn't want their trust to be undermined. He doesn't want them going anywhere for cleansing and safety and security other than to the Lord Jesus Himself. Now, for most of us here in this room today, we won't be considering leaving Christ to return to Judaism. That's probably not on the radar for very many of us here But, you know, the fundamental issues that the writer is dealing with here in chapter 10, the issue of sin, of cleansing, of assurance, these are real issues for each one of us here today. And we need to grapple with them just as deeply and just as carefully as these first century believers needed to grapple with them. We need to 
grapple with them if these are issues actually that we're not thinking very much about at all. Maybe you're here today as someone who has never really thought about this whole question of sin, of how God deals with your wrongdoing and views your wrongdoing, how it impacts your standing before Him and even your eternal future. The section of Hebrews that we're looking at today was written to teach us about the solution, God's solution, to the problem of sin, how to be cleansed in the sight of God, but perhaps you're not even aware of the problem and its dynamics. Well, if that's you, let me urge you, let me invite you, follow closely what the writer is saying here in these verses in chapter 10. Follow closely because he is telling you and he is telling me that the problem of sin is so very serious that blood had to be shed to deal with it. The problem of sin is so serious that God's own Son had to die to address it. And that much, even if we don't take anything else away from it, that much tells you that your sin problem, your sin issue, it needs to be confronted. It needs to be dealt with in an urgent way. Maybe for others here, I don't know, maybe you're all too aware of the problem of sin of the problem of your guilt. You're, you're all too aware of what God thinks of your behavior, of what you've thought and said and done. You, you feel defiled, if you're honest about it. You feel unclean because of your sin. You may be a Christian believer. You've come to Jesus for cleansing before now, but you find it hard to be truly convinced that you're clean, that you're forgiven, that you're accepted. Well, if that's you, and I suspect it may be many here, the teaching of chapter 10 is here to convince you and assure you that the cleansing of Jesus Christ at the cross is complete and is final, is entirely effective for those who trust in Him. The writer set out in these verses to convince these Jewish background believers that the work of Jesus at the cross, it's complete, it's final, sufficient for the forgiveness of sins. And to do that, in order to convince them, he sets out to show them both the inadequacy of the old sacrifices and at the same time to demonstrate to them the perfection of what has now come in Christ. That's his strategy. That's his dual focus. That's his approach. But, you know, navigating the relationship between the sacrifices of the old system and the sacrifice of Jesus, that's actually no easy thing for us to navigate. After all, when we stand back and think about it, we recognize that the old covenant sacrifices were established by God Himself. He set that out in His law. He called for that to be done. And so, if all of that is now set aside and shown to be inadequate, what was God's purpose with the old sacrifices? We need to grapple with that. If we're going to say that the old sacrifices didn't do the job, didn't provide cleansing for sin, we have to ask, why did God establish them in the first place? And actually, simply for us as students of the Word of God, simply for us as Bible readers and Old Testament readers, it's a very good, a very important question to think through. Well, Hebrews has an answer for us, and the answer falls into two parts. The writer tells us that the sacrifices of old, they could not cleanse because they were shadows of the reality to come. Verse 1 again, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year make perfect those who draw near. 
You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths and a message called A Complete Salvation. It's part of our larger series in the book of Hebrews called So Great a Salvation. And we're going to get back to this message in just a moment. But whether you listen online or on the radio, it's all made possible because of your support for Encounter the Truth. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you a book called Daily Readings from All Four Gospels. You know, there's no source that will draw you closer to Jesus than the Gospels. And maybe you want to dive deeper into them and get to know Jesus better. Well, J.C. Ryle helps you do that, helps you uncover the hidden treasures revealed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as those authors really take a look at Jesus' life, death, and his resurrection. And J.C. Ryle's has written a lot of commentary about these Gospels, and that's the basis for this book, Daily Readings from All Four Gospels, a devotional that presents two Gospel readings for each day. 732 readings followed by a tremendously insightful observation by Ryle, along with his wisdom-packed recommendations for application. We'd love to send you a copy of this book, Daily Readings from All Four Gospels, as you give a gift of any mountain support, Encounter the Truth this month. You can give online at EncounterTheTruth.org or when you call us at 833-99-TRUTH. Again, the website is EncounterTheTruth.org. And our phone number is 833-99-TRUTH. All right, back to the message. Here is Jonathan. I saw on TV just the other day a program all about how amusement parks create their special effects for their rides and attractions. I'm a bit of a kid at heart, I guess, so I found all that fascinating. I was completely engrossed in it for a while. But of course, these folks, they specialize in using lights and projection to create vivid images that are actually empty in and of themselves. Holograms, projections, mere shadows. You can be in a ride or an experience and see something. Maybe you see a person, maybe you see a figure, something else, and you almost want to reach out and touch it, but the reality is that there's no substance there to be felt. The image, the projection, the shadow, it's telling a story, it's part of a narrative, but in and of itself, it is entirely empty. In His grand eternal plan of redemption, God chose to shine a light on Jesus at Calvary, on His great saving work. And the shadow of that reality extended way back in time, way back in the Old Testament itself. The shadow of Calvary extended way back to the earliest days of the temple and the priesthood and the sacrifices and the offerings. And as that shadow fell on the early days, here is how God chose for that great coming reality, the reality of Christ and His cross, here is how God chose for it to be seen. He chose for it to be seen through the sacrifice of animals offered again and again, year after year at the temple. The priests came year after year, day after day, bringing the same sacrifices to the Lord to deal with sin. And to the participant and to the observer, it might have seemed that they were the real deal, the true substance of salvation. It might have seemed that the lifeblood of the bull and goat was the actual payment for sin. But perhaps to our great surprise, those sacrifices never actually achieved anything in terms of true forgiveness, actual payment for sin. They were shadows of reality. They weren't reality themselves. The writer puts it very strongly, verse 4, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats 
to take away sins. The blood of bulls and goats, it doesn't satisfy the judgment of God. It doesn't pay the price of a human life. How could it? But it does tell part of the story of redemption. It's not the substance, but it's an important part of the narrative. It is a shadow of the good things to come. It is a shadow of Calvary and what God would do. And as a shadow, this is the element of the story of redemption that the temple sacrifices tell. They tell us that for sin to be paid for, for guilt to be cleansed, for consciences to be wiped clean, blood is going to need to be shed. God's set price for sin is death. The only way to deal with sin is the shedding of blood. Rebellion against the Creator God, it is always a capital offense. The sacrifices of old, they couldn't cleanse because they were mere shadows of reality. And next, they could not cleanse because they were reminders of sin. If the temple sacrifices had been anything more than a shadow, they would have been effective and the offerings would have ceased. But the temple sacrifices continued year by year for centuries and they needed to continue. And here's why, verse 3. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. I feel very grateful that we've got a good mechanic down near our house. I think I've said that before. A good mechanic is a wonderful person to find, a great friend to keep. One of the things I appreciate about our mechanic is that he doesn't always rush at getting me to spend money to fix every little thing that happens with the car. I've had a light shining on the dashboard of, of my car for some months now. When it first appeared, I asked him about it. I said, what's this? Do I need to do something? He checked it out with the computer and said it was a minor issue that had essentially no impact at all on function, but it would cost $500 for him to go in and repair it. He said to me, look, don't bother. I wouldn't bother. Just leave the light on the dash and forget about it. And of course, I was very happy to take that particular piece of advice. I needed no convincing. The sacrifices of the old covenant, they didn't fix anything, but they were a bright and shining light on the dashboard of Israel's spiritual consciousness. They were a bright light telling the people of Israel that there was something fundamentally wrong within. Each time the Israelite went to the temple and saw an animal bleeding and dying for sin, each time they were reminded that they had a problem, they were reminded that sin is costly and the penalty is high. And the fact that the sacrifices just kept on happening year after year after year, never reached a conclusion, never reached an end, it told them that the problem had not been dealt with, had not gone away. These sacrifices, they could only be a flashing light, a reminder, and nothing more. And they could only be such because, verse 4, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The sacrifices given under the Old Testament law, they didn't fix anything. They didn't remove sin, but they were a shadow of reality. They were a shadow of the greater sacrifice yet to come. And more than that, they were also a constant reminder a flashing light speaking of the urgent problem of sin. And so the writer wants to say to these believers, don't be tempted to go back to that. Don't be tempted to return to the rites and rituals of the old covenant. They won't save you. They were there to prepare and to anticipate 
something else. And that something else, of course, it was the coming of Jesus Christ. It was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at the cross. By utter contrast to the sacrifices of old, the writer wants to show us that the sacrifice of Jesus, it now cleanses perfectly. It removes entirely the stain of sin. And the first reason for the effectiveness of Jesus and His sacrifice, the reason His sacrifice cleanses perfectly, it's simply this, Jesus came to do the Father's will. Verse 5, consequently, when Christ came into the world, He said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book." It's a great tradition of diplomacy that visiting leaders will give kings and presidents imaginative gifts when they come to visit them in their country. But within this tradition, world leaders often become recipients of strange and probably quite unwanted gifts. American presidents have perhaps received the widest variety of these. Theodore Roosevelt received a zebra and a lion from Ethiopia. What do you do with that? <laughs> George W. Bush received 300 pounds of raw lamb from Argentina. Lyndon B. Johnson received a Burberry raincoat from Great Britain that didn't actually fit him. He ended up asking the British Prime Minister if he could take it back to London and exchange it for another size. <laughs> Perhaps the most inventive was the crocodile insurance policy that Barack Obama received from an Australian leader just in case he should lose a limb to a hungry croc on a visit to that country. Whatever the gift, the president's job on every occasion is to smile, receive the gift, and then pass it on to an aide who will quickly archive it or warehouse it or destroy it as appropriate. According to Old Testament law, God received sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, all kinds of offerings, verses 5 and 6. But here's what we're told about all those offerings. He took no pleasure in them. He kept receiving them for years and years, centuries and centuries, but here's the thing, he didn't like them. They were shadows, they were reminders, but they didn't actually please God the judge. They didn't satisfy his requirements for the forgiveness of sins. But when Jesus came into the world, he took upon his lips these Old Testament words from the psalm, the words of verse 7, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He came into the world to be the perfect and pleasing sacrifice for sin. He came into, in, into the world to be the sacrifice for sin that God actually desired, the sacrifice that would be given in accordance with God's own will. Jonathan Griffiths here on Encounter the Truth as we pause this message, A Complete Salvation. Hope you'll make it a point to tune in as we'll continue next time. Hey, we'd love to know if Jonathan's teaching is making a difference in your walk with Christ. You can give us your feedback and let us know how God might be using this teaching in your life. Just come to our website, EncounterTheTruth.org, and click on the contact link. You can fill out the form, or you'll find our email address there. Again, that's at EncounterTheTruth.org, and click on the contact link. You know, we're a listener-supported ministry and really depend on your generosity to keep this program on the station each day. And as you give a gift this month, we want to say thank you by sending you a book from J.C. Ryle. It's called Daily Readings from All Four Gospels. And 
Jonathan, sometimes we may struggle to spend time daily with the Lord, to spend time in his word. Is, is this the kind of book that might help with that? I think this is a great help to anyone who's wanting to make a start in daily Bible reading or who is wanting some refreshment in their daily Bible reading. And, and we all need that help, whatever stage we're at in the Christian life. And J.C. Ryle has wonderful, fresh, timeless insights into the Gospels. And this book is broken into bite-sized daily morning and evening portions, which I think will be a tremendous help to anyone, whether you're just starting out on Bible reading or whether you are looking for something new after many decades of reading the Word of God each day. I think you'll find this to be a real help. Well, we'd love to send you a copy of this book from J.C. Ryle, Daily Readings from All Four Gospels. Again, it's our thank you as you give a gift of any amount and support Encounter the Truth this month. You can give online at EncounterTheTruth.org or when you call us at 833-99-TRUTH. That's 833-998-7884. Or again, the website, EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, thanks for listening today, and I hope you'll join us next time.